Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Level Cap Podcast, where I suddenly become very energetic and we talk about level 99 games, all things otherwise, or games otherwise. It did seem a bit more energetic, but I don't know that you've actually woken up yet. (laughs) Don't worry. Me and the crowd, we're going to wake you up. All right, everybody. It's time for us to wake Marco up. At your monitors, through time, shout back, lend me your power. Ready? One, two, three. Wake up, Marco! Uh, Uh, I don't think he heard us, everybody. We got to do it one more time. Oh, no. All right. Are you ready? One... Two, three. Wake up, Marco! Uh, uh, oh, Brad, everyone. Hi. I'm sorry I was asleep. I actually no, haven't we were been... Just, uh, uh, we were just setting up level 99 game summer camp, that's all. Oh, I see. I'm sorry. I See, kids, uh, kids and adults listen to the podcast. I actually have been undergoing a lot of problems due to a heavy amount of sleep deprivation. That's one way to say it. Most people say it deprivation, though. Oh, really? Yes. You telling me how to pronounce words now. Mr. I don't know how my character's names are pronounced. Yeah, well, I'm just trying to be helpful, Marco. You don't have to be (laughs) all passive-aggressive about it. All right, all right. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Thank you so much for waking me up, everyone. We should... Hey, Brad, what what say, like, you quit board games, I quit uh, social media stuff, and we just both kind of, like, make our own kids' TV show? And, you know, it's like Blue's Clues, you and me, and just like a fake audience, we talk to them. It's like, it's basically this, but instead of talking about board games, we talk about important values, like getting the right amount of sleep every day. I think that that's something that, um, that already exists in this world, Marco. We're here to talk about board games. Back on track. All right, we're back on track. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Level Cap Podcast, where we have a wonderful docket for you tonight. We'll be talking about the things we've been doing. We will be talking about some Level 99 game stuff. And, of course, we will be answering all of the deep, deep and desirable questions that you all have for me and Brad Talton. So let's start it off with our first segment, where I always ask Brad the following question. Hey, Brad, what have you been doing? I have been doing a lot of work recently Uh oh been working 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 um it's um so recently i decided to take a more data-driven approach to running level 99 games and so to start this off i put out a marketing survey so i can kind of figure out who's playing our games what games they like what they want us to make in the future this has been really enlightening i couldn't have predicted some of these answers Oh man! So uh, what? 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 So, what is the most surprising answer that you've seen based on this survey? Well, one that I I mentioned that surprised me quite a bit was um, we asked some questions about licensing, and one of the answers was one of the questions was how important to you, is it to you that you recognize the license in the game? And people are like, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of nice. But then I said, how important to it is it to you that your friends recognize the license in the game? And that went really high. Ooh. So when we're looking for a license, it's actually more important that your friends know the license than that you know the license. That's interesting. I guess mm-hmm. it would make sense, right? Because it's easier to sell people on a game where they recognize the IP. Yeah, yeah. Precisely. Ah. Actually, I would never would have thought of that. 
That's pretty interesting. So, yeah, so there are a lot of interesting insights like that. Um, like, for example, our larger games have tended to do much better than smaller games. The only exception being Pixel Tactics, which is the super small game. Which is which everybody loves. Pixel Tactics is is my board game waifu. I, I don't know how to say it. Like I like I think Pixel it's, Tactics. It's mostly just hard to avoid, right? Like it's so cheap you can go anywhere and just find a copy of Pixel Tactics. I around. kid I kid you not, okay. So I was going around um a mall near my condominium. Uh, mm-hmm. there's a place called Hobbs and Lands. I don't know if the, like people have that in the U.S. Anyway, it's like a hobby mm-hmm. store, um, and, but it's like it's like a casual hobby store. You know what I mean? Like their games are stuff like code names and stuff, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I go in there and I look at their list of board games, and lo and behold, I see copies of Pixel Tactics like three and four there, and I'm like, oh heck yeah! You're like, hey, I work for those guys. Hey, I know these people. This level ninety nine games, they make nice games. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so um, recently, I've also been working on like a holiday gift guide for the um, you know, so that people who come to our website for Christmas shopping can figure out what they what's the right gift Ooh. for the gamer in their life. Um, working on new titles, both Indians and otherwise. Thank you. Thank you for staying on brand. And, um, yeah, so that's it. I played Western Legends yesterday, which is kind of a sandbox, open world, Wild West game. It's kind of like Red Dead Redemption as a board game. Oh, I think I saw this on the Geek and Sundry channel once. So Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty neat. I'm not totally sold on the combat or the wanted system. Like, mm. uh, it's very... Like, um, well, I was the only outlaw player, and, like, the four other players all decided to follow the path of righteousness and become marshals. Uh-oh. And um, that was... Uh, no good. That was pretty tough. I couldn't, like, walk ten feet without getting arrested. Sounds sounds unfortunate for you, Brad. Maybe you shouldn't have become a criminal. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have. But the thing is, like, once you're a criminal, it's too late to get on the path of righteousness anymore. Oh, what? What is this game? You're telling me there's no chance to redemption? Well, no there's a redemption, but there's not a chance to victory because, you know, other players are already higher up on the, uh, on the, uh... Martial ladder. Law track. Yeah, the martial track. Yeah, okay, fine, fine. So that's... It's that's tough fair. to, it's tough to be, to reform and become a better marshal than the uh, players who are already good marshals. I see. Maybe you should have just won the game by constantly gambling at the poker place. Maybe. Maybe that's what I should have done. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. Okay. Um, <laughs> are you excited um, for anything? Like, like. Yeah. The new. I mean, I'd be, everyone's excited for Smash. Um, mm-hmm. My actual top game that I'm really excited for is um, actually like uh, Nelke and the Legendary Alchemist. This is the new Atlier series game coming out in December. Um, so, so it's this not. This one is like. Huh? Is it called. Atlier Nelki? Okay. No, it's actually not. It's Nelki and the Legendary Alchemist. Because I think that Nelka is not actually an alchemist. I think she just is like the mayor of this town and she employs all the alchemists. Um, but it's like the 20th anniversary game. So it's going to have all the characters from all the previous series coming back and like setting up shop in your town. That's kind of awesome. So it's, it, it's, it is in a way the Smash Bros. of Atlier. Yeah, kind of a little bit. I've seen the, uh, I've seen some of the screenshots, and it's actually got like the SimCity type town building element to it. It's a city builder. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, city building game. Unlike Ooh. you know all these games, you just build a bunch of items. You get to build the city in this one, and then you walk through your city and you interact with all the citizens. 
who are people that you know from you know 20 years of playing Atlier series games. Oh my so, gosh. Super fun. The Atlier fanboy in you must literally be like jumping for joy or I, something. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, heck yeah. Oh my gosh. Huh. <laughs> Nelky and the I think I think I think I like these kinds of games. I hopefully it's still playable even if you've not played literally 20 years worth of Atlier games cuz It 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 probably is, but I don't know that it, it I mean, you'll probably have fun with it. And maybe it'll make you. Hopefully, you'll play it. And you want to go and play the other games of the series. But I think the. I think the. I think it's a real payoff if you have played the other games in the series. Mm, sounds about right. Sounds about right. So uh, speaking of uh, speaking of just them not being a good guest though, Mark, I'm supposed to ask you how. What have you been doing? Oh, Brad, I have been playing. Okay, let's put giant air quotes. Playing <laughs> Ragnarok. Mobile Eternal Love. It is a dumb title, I know. But mobile Eternal Love, huh? Ragnarok Online Mobile Eternal Love. I kid you not, that is the title is this a, of this like game. A MMO dating sim or something? No, no, no. It is a. I don't know why there's Eternal Love. Is this an love. H game? No. Hey, Brad, whoa. Family friendly. It is not an H game. What are you talking about? Ragnarok Online M Eternal Love is the quote-unquote modern release of Ragnarok Online, one of my favorite MMOs of all time. Um, mm-hmm. It is basically... Okay, so so here's some quick context, right? Uh, we just came from Mega Man 11, and we were talking about how Mega Man 11 essentially brings Mega Man into the modern era. So mm-hmm. Ragnarok Online M Eternal Love, yes, I will say the full title every time, uh, it's sort of the modernization of the you're Ragnarok. The that, hmm? I said you're the worst for doing that. Uh, yeah, don't worry, man. Look, wait until you get to that segment where I bring to light some of the awesome setups. Like, we didn't even want to say Ragnarok Online. We just called it RO back in the day. Oh, now I mean, they've added like five words to the title, and, and you want to stop abbreviating? Well, you play Guilty Gear Revelator XR Third Revelator de- 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 Demolition Derby and Knuckles, right? It's just right? Exerd Revelator Second, okay? And Knuckles or whatever, right? A- anyway, Ragnarok e- Ragnarok Online Amateur in Love uh, is a modernization of the old RO. Uh, it was it's basically brings the game into like the modern era in the sense that they've realized what people like about playing MMOs. So, um. This is quite interesting mm-hmm. to me because there's a lot of mobile games out there that are basically MMOs, but they play kind of like um, action-oriented games. Basically, all of these MMO games kind of play like they're Diablo, <laughs> and mm-hmm. then you you yeah. like kill things, you loot things, and you get ARPG, better. ARPG, yeah, yeah, it's an ARPG, exactly, an ARPG. So Ragnarok on uh, Ragnarok Online M Eternal Love decides to take an alternate route uh, by providing you a built-in auto-botting feature. So there's a feature that lets you literally designate specific enemies you want to kill and designate a specific set of skills that your character will rotate through, essentially giving you skill rotations that the AI will do automatically. Mm, okay. This yeah. reminds me a bit of uh, Granado Espada. Oh, it is kind of like Granado Espada, right? Because in yeah. Granado Espada, you could have like three characters and you could like program how they would fight, right? Yeah, you'd program and then you could like just leave them all day and come back and there'd be tons of loot. Exactly. So this is basically that. But then they went, they understood like the audience that they were going for, right? Because this is now a mobile game, right? And a lot of people who play these mobile games, 
uh, probably don't have the time to stare at their computer screen for four hours to grind out loot, right? So yeah. they've they've realized that, and they've given you this auto-botting feature. Uh, they made it so that when you kill enemies, the loot drops into your inventory straight. Is there, is there a Decepticon feature? Um, it depends, Brad. Do you have the all spark? I, I couldn't resist. Go on. Tell me, is the all spark in your heart? No, okay, no, but 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 seriously. So I think it. What I really like about this new RO, uh, aside from the fact that I'm a nostalgia guy and Ragnarok Online has like the best music, I feel like it kind of distills MMOs to the parts that I like the most. See, the thing about it is that a lot of people hate MMOs because of the grinding and because of all of the minutia that you have to do. Essentially, MMOs are just time sinks, right? That's essentially what they yeah. are, right? Um but in the end, what really makes MMOs good for me is like the community, um, getting rare drops when you kill the monsters, or partaking in the game's economy by you know extension. You know, you get a rare drop, you put it on the market, and then you sell it to people, right? Yeah, it's all the things that the Outlier series provides for you offline without human interaction. Yes, but I do like the community. I literally listed. I like that the first, community though. in the Outlier series too. You get to really know these townspeople. That's great. Uh, I mean, real people, Brad. Sometimes, some look, I've played some MMOs, Marco. People in the Outlier series are way more real than randos in MMOs. That's true. That is indeed very true. Uh, I if think you get I, in a guild and you actually know people, it's a different story. But people I pass on the street, I have way more interaction in like Persona than I do in a regular MMO. That's fair. I am way closer to Kanji Tatsumi than I am to like any rando on the street. That's that's definitely true. So like at the end of the day, I think like this new game is... Very fun. Uh, it's definitely not the old Ragnarok Online. It tickles the nostalgia bones of people who like old Ragnarok. It brings some new fans in by uh, giving you these auto-botting features, which kind of gets rid of all of those grindy aspects of the game. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it just lets me do the things that I love the most, which is, you know, getting rare drops, uh, selling it on the aftermarket, and also making builds for my character, you know. Um, as usual with Ragnarok, you get a character, there are multiple builds to every class. Uh, and, you know, I'm just working on my crit assassin, because I love playing crit assassins, my second favorite job class in Ragnarok. You're uh, a cancer. What, what are you talking about? Why do you, why do you, why do you? accuse me of this bad thing i i played ragnarok and i had like a wizard all right and a high level wizard and crit assassins just come up and kill monsters before i could even cast my first spell it was stupid <laughs> i love that you know there's actually like a pvp mode in ragnarok M eternal left yes ragnarok i do Online. because they would kill me before i could cast my first spell too <laughs> So that's what I've been doing, uh, playing some Ragnarok Online M Eternal Love, and that will probably be the last time that I say Ragnarok Online M Eternal Love for the rest of this podcast. So if you want us to play anything in particular, or you want us to revisit one of our old games, I think somebody suggested that we revisit some Slay the Spire at some point. Uh, so maybe, oh yeah, they've got a lot of updates since the last time we talked about that game. Yep, and there's a new act, so who knows? Who knows? All right, uh, let's move on to our next segment, also known as The Pipeline, where we talk about very cool things, very interesting things about lore or about production or about the making of board games in general. So, Brad, this is your segment. Please illuminate what we will be talking about. You say that, but you asked me to talk about Evil Hikaru in the, uh, in the show notes, so... Um, Brad, I don't think the, we've talked about him yet. This is the joint fiction that we're creating. You know, I'm pretending that we didn't plan any of this. That this is a casual conversation between two good uh, friends. Well, uh, I'm gonna casually browse over the show notes and see that you wanted me to talk about Evil Hikaru uh, uh, casually, and as a good friend, um, I'll do that. 
All right. Thank you so much, my good friend who has now unveiled everything. You know, don't look, look, don't look at the man behind the curtain, you know, Wizard of Oz style. All right. So tell us, who is Evil Hikaru? What are the inspirations? What is he all about? Okay, so <clears throat> Evil Hikaru is basically Reverse Hikaru. He's an evil doppelganger from the Minus world of Hikaru, and he's the antithesis of everything that Hikaru stands for. But even he doesn't really understand what that means. He's definitely a joke character, uh, but he is a real character, if that makes sense. So kind of like Dan Hibiki is a joke character in Street Fighter, but he's a real person in that universe. Um, mm. he's not just a, you know, a fiction, not a fiction, not a what if, a real character. Um, he is, uh, but yeah, so he's kind of Bizarro Hikaru when Hikaru is like, you know, like I fight for good, evil Hikaru says I fight for evil. Um, when Hikaru says I'm going to turn left, evil Hikaru says I'm going to turn right, that kind of thing. So um, is he just like ordinary? Does he just like do the opposite of whatever Hikaru does just for the sake of it? Um, it's it's not clear what his motivations are. In general, doppelgangers are kind of messed up, um, and you get that feeling from like Sagas, who you know is is a doppelganger of somebody who was dead like three hundred years ago and still wants to kill the same guy that uh, that his you know that his uh, original did. Yeah, or Gaspar for that matter, right? He's a yeah, doppelganger. Or Gaspar, too, right? who's just this crazy cultist guy. Oh, yes, all doppelgangers um, are messed up. I, or Seven, in fact. Seven is a doppelganger too, right? Seven is is something a little different. She's from that world, <clears throat> but she's not like she's not a the same kind of being. It's just like like Illumis is not the same kind of thing as a catch. They're both from the dark world. And so they're kind of called rasps in that sense, because they're from that world, but you know, it's they're not they're not actually the same kind of creature. There are that's, several different kinds of creatures in this world. I see. That's interesting because what I was always wondering in the back of my mind, like why doesn't Hiketch have a handsome version of himself, a handsome human Hiketch? Fan art, get on it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so um, so yeah. So there's different kinds of of creatures in the world, and in general, the doppelgangers have like gazed into the the void beyond the universe, and that's caused them to develop weird powers and weird personality flaws. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And Evil Hikaru is no exception. Um, anyway, Evil Hikaru has never actually met Hikaru um, because during the time the timeline when Evil Hikaru appears, regular Hikaru has already gone across the sea to the other continent and is adventuring there. Ah. So they've never actually met one another. It's just regular cards disappeared and suddenly this evil version shows up doing evil stuff. Question. Are people yeah. tricked into thinking that evil Hikaru is Hikaru? Um, yes, if you had only heard of Hikaru or if you, you know, uh, didn't get a good look at, at him or if you just, you know, for some reason didn't know that doppelgangers have the, that uh, difference where they have black eyes. Yeah. Um. You might think that this was actually Hikaru who was doing evil stuff now. I see, but it yeah. wouldn't trick like Kadath or something, right? No, it wouldn't. It definitely wouldn't trick anybody who knows what a doppelganger is or who has ever met one. I see. Um, and uh, yeah, also the, his power set is not the same as Hikaru's. Like, um, like Hikaru has elements, but evil Hikaru actually only has evil. He doesn't have real elements. He just makes up. These, he just makes these fake elements out of evil. 
I see. Just just to commit to to doppelgangering Hikaru, he he literally just right. shapes his evil into different kinds of like shapes of evil. So so wait, yeah. are you telling me? Are you telling me that evil Hikaru could use his evil element to do any one of the four things that he already does with them? It's just that he stylizes them in a way so that it looks like fire and wind and water. So he does it yes. for aesthetic yes. sake. He does it for aesthetic. He could actually do all kinds of. He could basically do like you know like whatever Thassala can do with metal or you know whatever Carolyn can do with transformations. Like he's got all these crazy evil powers, but he only uses evil for elements because that's his um, that's his style. Oh my gosh, it's his aesthetic. It's it's the yeah. aesthetic. Oh my gosh, doppelganger. Uh, yeah, it's all about the aesthetics. Uh, that's why and that's why they're weird um, because it's more important. The form of the thing is more important than um, what is the thing. That's interesting. Yeah, so interesting. So, as far as our inspirations, Evil Car is clearly and obviously inspired by Evil Ryu. Oh, who's that? Who's Evil Ryu? I've never heard of this before. Evil Ryu is a character in Street Fighter Four um, and in other in in the greater Street Fighter canon. Who is Ryu once he like becomes consumed by the Satsui no Hado, the the uh, you know the 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 martial art that he uses. Yeah, and he basically. Uh, you know, becomes an evil version of himself, tears out his heart, and you know, uh, fights against uh, against all the important people in the in the story. Yeah, so he's kind of the main villain of of uh, Street Fighter Four, or one of the main villains. I see, but this is a what if kind of thing, right? Like Ryu. No, doesn't... evil evil Ryu is a real is a real character, but it is Ryu. So Ryu oh. becomes evil Ryu when he chooses the path of evil. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. No, but my and question is... I'm pretty sure is, it's not a what if. His friends have to bring him back. Oh, okay. I was wondering, like, doesn't he come back at some point? Yeah, his, his friends bring him back. Yeah, what, what um, happens to his heart? How do they get back his heart? Like, he's Yeah, I don't, I don't know. You know, it's, 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 it's with Kung Fu. With, I punch your soul so that it makes a new heart. <laughs> Maybe they I... punch Ryu out of Evil Ryu. And then Evil Ryu, the evil part becomes, like... Like I don't know. Is this Dragon uh, Ball? Some like, other thing. I I don't know. Okay, I don't know. I'm not up on my Street Fighter lore. All right. We're is this Dragon Ball? Like Evil Hikaru. Okay, I made okay. a character that I could actually understand. All right. Okay. Okay. You made a character you could actually understand. Um. So what was your inspiration for the original design? Right. Like I'm assuming that since this is basically like a joke character on Hikaru, a lot of uh, Evil Hikaru's gameplay and mechanics probably started out as basically just Hikaru with different effects. Right. Um, to a great extent, yeah, and we actually did a big redesign of this character recently for Battlecon for his Battlecon Online appearance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it used to be that he was much more of a traditional, um, you know, uh, powerhouse uh, fighter type character. He was a brawly boy, yeah, yeah, definitely, uh, but almost on the heavy side, the heavy like weight side. So really, more in the realm of almost Alexian. Oh, he was uh, whacking for Mikhail and Alexian stats. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, he hits. He can hit for like seven and eight pretty reliably on uh, in his old form. We decided we wanted to make him actually more like Hikaru, um, but not. So we came up with a new theme for the character, and that's that he actually wants to get rid of all his tokens. Whereas Hikaru, his tokens are really good, and he's trying to you know hold on to them and, and refresh them. Evil Hikaru's tokens are eh, kind of meh. And he really just wants to get rid of them because his styles get better the fewer tokens he has left. Yes. But he can't control the recovery triggers. They're all pretty robust recovery triggers, so it can be difficult to avoid getting your tokens back. 
Yeah, you have to work hard to make it so that you don't get your tokens back. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's the the updated paradigm for Evil Carl, and that's been testing really well. People have really enjoyed him online, and yeah. uh, I'm really happy with the changes that have been made to the character. I think personally, I really like this place. I'm not sure if it was intentional or not, but um, whereas Hikaru seems to be a very simple character with a lot of like small nuances to them, right? Mm-hmm. Basically, Hikaru's tricks all come in the form of. Um, implicit effects you know it doesn't explicitly state on the card do this thing and this special thing happens with Hikaru but on the other hand evil Hikaru is literally littered with effects that literally just tell you hey if you do this very specific thing you win this beat <laughs> like like literally every card is basically just like you know if you play the same base you get bonus stats if you play the same base you get bonus stats like like it's just yeah all very literally, yeah, literally just stated on the card, and I feel like this thing, this this thing, is a, a parallel to the how evil Hikaru is just a reverse of Hikaru, because essentially evil Hikaru, Hikaru is one of the easiest characters to play in BattleCon Online. I have a firm belief that evil Hikaru is probably the hardest character to play in BattleCon Online. Him, him, and Anath are pretty, pretty oh high gosh. up there. They're it's, pretty high tier characters. In terms of of the the barrier to entry and the barrier to good play, oh, definitely. Like like, oh my gosh, man! Like every time I play Evil Hikaru, I feel like I galaxy brain at least four times per game. And like <laughs> after playing five games in a day, I literally got a migraine. Like like, oh no, maybe I should I should stop like trying to play this character too optimally. <laughs> It's like, I just can't it's, handle it. It's pretty tough to figure out exactly what the right move is for this character. And and I think that's that's okay. You know, you got to have high-level characters. you got to have lower-level characters. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying it's so a bad everybody thing. everybody can, you know, can enjoy. Um, but uh, I can tell you about our next character. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Brad. So, for, um, so when this podcast go li- goes live, um, we will have or will very shortly be announcing Eerie. As the next character in BattleCon Online, you mean Iria Landra de Amorella? Yes, that one—the one with three different forms who transforms um, to either stabilize her form and get bonuses, or to change her form and acquire new uh, new abilities. Temporarily. Yes, yeah, we're talking about so, her mechanically, but she's a horror terror alien who takes the form of a magical she's anime a, girl. Yeah, she's a a, a Cthulhu themed magical girl. It's, it's basically the uh, the way to the the uh, the short the short version. Anyway, perfect. she'll have it's a full perfect. spoiler on the blog, so you can check out the eerie spoiler and see what she's all about. All right, that's great. Oh my gosh, I've seen some of the art for her styles. She looks adorable. She is absolutely adorable. I love eerie. Uh, she's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, I love eerie. I love night form eerie specifically, mostly mm-hmm. because um, it has magical stun guard three on all attacks. Woot woot. Yeah, Magic I'll numbers. tell you all about the uh, the inspirations behind Eerie and uh, and playstyle on our next podcast. Oh, definitely, that'll be, that will sound fun. So, Brad, before we end this segment, I have one more question for you. Um, yeah, what's Evil Hikaru's skin? Uh, so we're gonna we, we we mentioned a little bit on another podcast, but we will eventually have good Evil Hikaru as an available skin. So oh this God. is Evil Hikaru now instead of evil. He uses the power of good to do evil uh, but it's okay it makes sense no it, okay so as far as i know here's here's my head canon or the lore that i know evil hikaru and hikaru finally meet 
And then they have this like shonen anime fight where they punch each other in the face. And then in the end, nobody wins. It's a draw. And then they're like, I have gained respect for you. So because of that, evil Hikaru decides to change his ways and become good. So now he uses the power of evil to do good, right? Like, isn't that it? Like, is he now like... That, some... that's, that's, that, that sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty good. We have an alternate, uh, or his master costume is also being planned. Oh, okay. So what's that? So that's going to be evil Hikaru, but he's also got like like the Malaphase claw from Schecter, and he's got Elagor's sword over his shoulder, and he's got like an ass polearm on his back, and it's like he just killed everybody in the story and took this stuff. So you're telling me that he's literally like Batman from that one comic where the entire Justice League dies and he takes up all of their weapons? Basically, yeah. Oh my so gosh, he's, he's, he's old... got all the all the artifacts from all the people. In hey, Brad, the can you do me as a, a big solid, please? Mm-hmm. Can you give him Let's... like Mikhail's angel wings, but they're black and they're only on one side? Like, can you do that for me? <laughs> I'll talk to Noko about it. Thank Unfortunately, you. No- Noko is pretty busy these days getting Imperial and Battlecon Unleashed done, so we may not see more new costumes for a little while for Battlecon Online. But that's okay because we now know deep within our hearts that Edge Lord Evil Hikaru is. Can we call him that? You could, you could, you could call him more Evil Hikaru. More Evil Hikaru. I love it. I love it. At canon. It's canon. Brad said it. He's the god of this universe. Therefore, it's canon. <laughs> so that pretty much does it for the dining, for, for the pipeline segment where we hopefully are so evil. So, so evil. Um, that you know we can what? manifest it as fire, water, earth, and wind and save the planet. Yeah. And then, you know, it's not September, but don't worry. Uh, we're going to ask how deep is your love. So let's move on to the next segment, also known as 99 Questions, where I take all of your evil energy, put it within my heart, blacken it, rip it out, ask a Russian wrestler man to pile drive it into the ground, thus sprouting a tree of answers for you to ask questions about. Brad. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's pretty much that's pretty much how it works. That's the entire process. Yeah, you, sadly, you do not hear Zangief in the background because I have to edit him out usually. Full star. Oh. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Can I quit? Can I quit? <laughs> Just kidding. First question, Brad. If you could get any level ninety nine games character into Smash, who would it be and why? Um. Yeah. So I thought a bit about this. I think I would probably go with Kadath. Um, I think the trap mechanic would be really cool to play around, and there's not really, there's not really like a point control character in um, in Smash yet, at least not that I've seen. Mm-hmm. There's nobody who like can you know set up a an area and then kind of like control that space. So having someone like Kadath who can like set a trap or he can teleport across the board back to his trap or you know those kind of things, I think it would be really cool, and I think he could add a bit, uh, add a new play style to the game. Oh, it kind of reminds me of like Orca from um, Shucks. What's the name of that game? Um, I don't know. Rivals, like Rivals of the Aether. There's a character in Rivals uh. of the Aether named Orca, and uh, her gimmick is that she can like shoot water onto the ground, and that's there's like a puddle, and then a lot of her attacks actually are based on that puddle. So she can teleport oh, to the puddle, okay. or she can like shoot water out of the puddle. So I like. I guess that would kind of be like what Kadath. That no, that literally is what Kadath does, right? Like, yeah, he would be that. He would have that kind of thing. Going yeah, on. yeah. In my opinion, I think we should put Cadenza in Smash. 
I I feel like I don't know. There's just something about seeing the the, the clockwork robot because I don't think we have enough like heavies in Smash, and heavies always yeah. get underrepresented. Um, I don't know. It's people yeah, like their so fast that's characters. That's not unreasonable. He is he is kind of an iconic character for BattleCon. He, and he, yeah, that like that's the thing. Like I think he's the poster boy of BattleCon, right? Like he has an iconic silhouette. He's also my favorite color is yellow. So like I'm just spoiling everyone. I love Cadenza's design because he's basically just a giant yellow robot. Uh, and of course, I think the iron body would be a very unique mechanic that you can give him, right? Like maybe like for each stock he has, he just like has super armor on literally the first three attacks that he does every stock or something like that. That right? could make sense. Like you can you can stock up to three of them and they recover slowly over time. Yeah, and or just something like that. that. Those hits just don't imp- apply force to you. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like when you get smashed, imagine Cadenza literally taking the damage and not budging. That'd be so cool, yeah. right? You get the you get basically the metal effect. Yeah, the metal effect, exactly. <laughs> which which makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's already coded in the game. Get get at us, Sakurai. <laughs> Sakurai, it's already in the game. Oh, yeah. All right. All right, well, uh, so what's the next one? Hey, Brad, can we get a segment where Brad and Marco play tic-tac-toe, but it's narrated like it's Yu-Gi-Oh? Hmm. I wonder. So... I don't know about tic-tac-toe because it's it's deterministic, right? Like once the first move is made, if you're following the rules, you you know you know what the the game is, right? So the only way to make it like Yu-Gi-Oh exciting would be to cheat. Like Marco's like, well, I have my special technique where I can put two X's in a box. Well, then the game's over. Good job, Marco. <laughs> um, you know, there's not a lot of like room, right? Brad, um, you're you're not thinking about it well enough. Here, here's my twist. If it ties, we both die. Well, um, Marco, that's uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. This is this is too real. This is too real. It's too real. Uh, in my opinion, yeah. I think we should do something like this. Maybe not tic tac toe, right? But like, definitely, there should be some sort of like segment wherein we go like, you know, Brad goes like, I place this card here, and then I go like, yes. Oh no. He's placed that card there. I wonder what that means. This could mean that he has that special card that allows him to do this other thing that might beat me. However, if I do that other thing, and then the narrator comes in like, Will Marco ever make a move? Will Brad actually understand what the heck is happening? Find out on the next episode of the Level Cap Podcast. Like, we should do that. Like maybe, maybe, maybe we have a segment where we just play one turn of exactly. Millennium Blades every 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 week until we're finished. <laughs> you know what? Like, what if we just like pre-con a bunch of like decks and do one tournament phase between the two of us over the course of multiple games, of uh, multiple podcasts? That could work. We could we could make a ladder, and you know, people can can vote on which deck they think will reach supremacy. Oh my gosh, that that's interesting. If you if you want us to do something like that, please tell us in the comment section down below. I will do my best uh, and get Wesley to make me anime style like music uh, music for the uh, yeah, those anime stings. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, uh, last last question. Will you guys right. ever take suggestions or ideas for character costumes for BattleCon? Um, well, yeah. So suggestions are always welcome. We don't obviously we don't use everything we get, but for example, like Surf's Up Caesar was a fan suggestion that we're going to go through with. Oh, it's um, so good. Comrade Rexon was a fan suggestion that we'll eventually do. Oh, really? Um, so so yeah. So there are a lot of costumes that are that are you know that were not in, not uh, concepted by me. 
Mm, yeah. Um, so my- you're always welcome to make a suggestion. We may or may not use any of these suggestions, but they we appreciate them. We definitely take them, right? And if you want yeah. to like strong arm Brad into your suggestion, you could always just win worlds. <laughs> yes, that's another option. You can win worlds, and um, one of the world's prizes for Exceed and for BattleCon is a uh, is a costume. Yeah, for for yeah. the char- any of the characters that you brought on your team, right? Yep. Yeah. Well, so. really, you can pick anyone. It's okay. You oh, don't really? Have to bring them on your team. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's interesting. So this is why Tatsumi has like more skins than everyone. <laughs> I think that's just because everyone likes Tatsumi, and because Charles keeps bringing her. <laughs> that too. Yeah. Like, he's only done like one costume for her. So. Oh, that's fair. Is it? We that, need like, to get the... Tatsumi into BattleCon Online though, so that people can play with all these other costumes. Because I yeah. think she's got at least two that haven't been released in other formats. Yeah, like the the ninja one, right? Where she's like uh, in a kimono and like yeah, Juto is like one. a shinobi. Um, yeah, she's a ninja one. She's got like a beach costume. She has um, a beach costume. Yeah, it's like um, it's like a uh, Gangoro Tatsumi, and she, it's like the Japanese uh, Gangoro fashion. Oh, okay, that's that's. She's got this judo backpack and pigtails. Oh my gosh, it's super cute. So she's like, she, okay, yeah, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh my gosh. I mean, it, it does fit. Tatsumi is... Wait, is Tatsumi Japanese? Now I'm losing my She's, mind. She's uh, Vietnamese, I think. I mean, well, the name is Vietnamese. I don't I know see. about the character. The character is obviously from Sanghalim, uh, not from, you know, in Indians, not wait. from uh, anywhere in our world. Tatsumi is from Sanghalim? Yeah. My worldview has been destroyed. I thought she yeah. came from She's like from, a like, race. the tropical islands. She's not really from the continent. Oh, okay. Wait, Sanghalim has tropical islands? Yeah. What? Okay, they have, they have some tropics. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to get my hands on that freaking Grand Chronicle so I can read up on all of this lore. Oh. <laughs> all right, so that's our last question for this week. Thank you so much for sending in your questions. If you have more questions, please send it to us in the comment section down below. Or if you really want your question to be answered immediately on the podcast, please put it in the Google form, which will be found in the description down below. And as much as I would like to keep asking Brad about the ethnicity of his characters, the geography of his world, and as well as the possible fan art we can make horror terrors up. By the way, I need to mention that um, Brad, because of Woodchip Result, we now have Blender Galdred and Generator Lucia. So we're now turning wow. all the Exceed characters into appliances. It's going to be great. Um, uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, seven, uh, Exceed 7th Appliance Store. It's wow. going to be beautiful. And you know what? I'm going to commission fan art about it and send you like printed copies in, in so frames. So as, as, long as, as long as I get a rimless microwave. That's that's what I really want. <laughs> Canon. Microwave Remless is in. All right. Thank you so much for your suggestion, Brad. If you have any suggestions for 7th Cross character appliances, please put this in the comment section down below as well. <laughs> the weirdest thing. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Level Cap Podcast. As usual, that has been me, your host, Marco DeSantos, also known as Mechanic Critic. And with me has been my wonderful, wonderful co-host. Brad Talton. And thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you hated it, share it with an enemy. Without much else to say, don't forget your special action. And thank you, World of Indians. Thank you, and good night. Happy gaming.